We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome. It's getting a little bit cold here in Oregon, and I'm afraid in other parts of the world as well. Winter's on its way. I want to welcome you to the Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. Every week we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence your intelligence and mine, the intelligence of our operational system into the landscape of work through visual devices so that we can reap the huge benefits of doing so, reduce cost, increase safety, great quality, great alignment, corporate alignment, and so that we can enjoy ourselves along the way while we're at work. Work is a place of um, joy. Hmm. It's possible. Visuality helps in that. I've been learning to about and I've been learning about and uh, about workplace visuality for nearly three decades. I've been doing that by implementing the visual workplace everywhere. And you know what? It took me about 20 years to actually get it defined, to discover all of its common elements, its principles, and design a framework that made these principles work as a kind of coherent whole. That was really interesting, and I've been practicing and helping other companies all over the world, helping companies all over the world deploy uh, workplace visuality in factories and hospitals and banks, open pit mines. That's always really interesting when the floor keeps moving, printing industry, aerospace, engineering offices, utilities. That's where the research happens. That's where the principles are applied. I have learned a lot. And as a result, we've developed a ton of training seminars and webinars and DVDs, train-the-trainer processes. We love all that. We offer it through our Visual Lean Institute. We find ways to marry visual with your other continuous improvement initiatives, with Lean, with Six Sigma, with TPM, of course. The outcome is operational excellence, reliable, robust, complete, usable, repeatable, excellent, growing, and I've written a bunch of books. The two most recent one, the Shingo Research Prize. I'm really proud of that. Visual Workplace Visual Thinking, and that has 220 full-colored visual solutions. The other one, Work That Makes Sense, just won this year. That has 550 and lots of, lots of words to go with it. 
all of our work is loaded with actual examples. We have over 40,000 in our database. We've been collecting it for these past three decades. So it's very, very rich field and very, very rich expression. So one of the things I want to... uh, talk about in by way of introduction so you get my come from here is that I have noticed that we are already visual thinkers we're already visual beings therefore we live in a visual world and it's not the other way around visuality in our community hasn't taught us to be visual but the community and if we're lucky the workplace is visual because that is how we understand our world conceptually and also functionally functionally as performers so and now we have this radio show a radio show on the visual workplace i love that idea we talk about the visual workplace we paint pictures and we present concepts and principles today we are going to continue unnesting the principles and practices of 5S. We started this several shows ago. 5S, the indispensable first step on our journey to a fully functioning visual workplace. And you know what? It's greatly misunderstood. 5S is greatly misunderstood. It is also underrated. It is also underused. So to first put the discussion for today into a wider context, I want to introduce a model that I've developed Some of you have heard about it because I've talked about it now for two or three shows called the 10 doorways, the 10 doorways into workplace visuality. These are 10 doors, if you will, that map out 10 processes or methods that help the company become increasingly visual. 10 categories, the way I like to say it is 10 categories of visual function. And I would invite you to consider visuality not as point solutions, a little, a few borders, some color coding, an andon light, whatever, but rather as a system of devices or, if you will, a um, the ground upon which our work happens, fairly robust and complete an environment a function, that this actually functions, it makes a very specific contribution to operations. So these 10 doorways are 10 functional categories of visuality. And when they're robustly in place, we call that a fully functioning visual enterprise. And I define it like this. A visual enterprise is a work environment. And it can be a department or even a bench, a corner of a, of a department that is self-ordering, self-explaining, self-regulating, and on higher levels, self-improving, where what is supposed to happen does happen on time, every time, day or night because of visual devices. If you take the visual devices away, you really can't achieve the, pre- the outcome I just described. You just have to kind of do it and hope it happens or remember how to do it. And hope that others remember. You know, my, my mentor in the, ni- in the 1980s was Shigeo Shingo, a, a great, uh, Japanese practitioner. He was the co-architect of the Toyota production system. And he used to say, people forget and then people forget that they forgot. And that's when we get into trouble. So the tangible output of implementing visuality is visual devices, not hundreds of them, but thousands, thousands in a single company. 
And it's those devices that hold the operational intelligence, the information, the SOPs, the specs, the attributes, the design of your product and your services. Visuality, a system of systems, the ground in which your intelligence is embedded in the forms of these devices, an embedded system of language, if you will, a series of intentionally designed devices that capture this intelligence and embedded into the physical work environment, into the work setting through these devices, these devices that are our vocabulary. And the only way that level of visual excellence is achieved is through people who know how to think visually is what I say, a workforce of visual thinking, thinkers. That's the real purpose of the 10 doorways and that logic to create a workforce of visual thinkers, one doorway at a time. And so to make sure that happens, each of these 10 doorways is linked to a specific organizational group. There's a doorway for operators. That's called doorway one. It's the one we're discussing today. We'll discuss a few more shows because it is that complex and that interesting and that important. A doorway for supervisors, for managers, for quality techs, for material handlers and your schedulers. A doorway for your executives and your site leadership. A doorway for the office staff and for maintenance. A doorway for your change agents. A doorway for engineers, which is often shared with supervisors and planners. There's actually three main doorways for them. Each group is responsible for a specific category of visual function. It doesn't mean that everyone is prohibited from, that anyone is prohibited from creating visual devices of that function. But a specific group is tasked or mandated to make sure that functionality is not neglected, not missed in the enterprise. You'll see a graphic of the 10 doorways on our website, visualworkplace.com. Just click on the link on the home page. So the 10 doorways are a kind of roadmap, both for assessing the level of visual competency and also planning future steps, making sure that each level develops a visual vocabulary for getting its need to know and its need to share visually embedded into the physical landscape of work. It's really, really very, very good. And in uh, <laughs> in January, we will be conferring our first ever Visual Workplace 10 Doorways Award to three companies, two in the U.S. and one in Europe. And I hope you tune in for that. We will not have completed our journey through the Visual Workplace. Uh, I'm sorry, through the 10 doorways, but we will be pretty well into it. We should be completed with Doorway 1. Uh, doorway one is so interesting. It's the doorway of 5S. I'd like to move to that now. It is really misunderstood and underutilized. And, you know, some people hate 5S. I'm so sorry. It shouldn't happen that way. It's wrong. 5S is, you know, a great opportunity for self-development and for cultural alignment and for getting a 15 to 30 percent increase in throughput on the operator level, whether those operators are in your hospital, in your bank, on the value-add level, we could say. I called the doorway, actually, not the 5S doorway, but the doorway of visual order, the visual wear, visual inventiveness. Mm-hmm. I also like to call it, this is a one of the books I'm working on right now, 5S on steroids. Very robust, juicy, very juicy, wonderful, wonderful work. 
So that doorway is wholly owned by Value Add Associates. They are responsible for the outcome we call the visual wear. They learn, they apply, they implement visual order. So let's start unnesting this. We're going to get specifically to S1 and why it's so darn tricky to get rid of the junk. What's the big deal anyway? That's our first step. But I want to give you a little bit of uh, background, just a little bit of context so you know um, what the frame is here. When we talk about doorway number one, we talk about the visual wear. Operators are responsible for putting that in place. What they're putting in place is location information, and they're doing that through, this is my formula anyway, a border, an address, and if possible, an ID label. I say if possible, an ID label on everything that casts a shadow, a border for everything that casts a shadow, an address for everything that casts a shadow, and if possible, a ID label, if possible, because we don't ID consumables, even though they cast a shadow. We don't ID every screw and every cardboard box because we're going to consume them. But we do border and address where these things are stored, however temporarily. Okay? We are far, far from the visual part of 5S when we begin with S1. In S1, we're getting rid of the junk. We are preparing the physical workplace to hold location information. And by the way, it doesn't mean that executives and managers and supervisors don't also bring location clarity to their field of work. We call it the value field. They do. But it is the value-add associate that's responsible for bringing it powerfully onto the operations floor, whatever that floor may be. So what is the big deal in 5S? What is the big deal in S1 anyway? What's hard about getting rid of the junk? Why do so many companies fail at it? And why don't they realize that they failed? So we're going to pick that up as soon as we get back from a break. Talk to you in a little bit. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn again. Hi, and we're talking about... S1, the first step on that indispensable journey to a visual workplace. I should say the first indispensable step on our journey to visual excellence. And we were talking about S1. We're actually going to be doing uh, talking about S1 for the rest of the show, but talking about what's hard about it, what's the big deal about it, where do we make the mistake so early in this journey, why do so many companies fail at it, I'm not telling them they fail. They come to me and they say, oh, my gosh, we are having so much trouble with our 5S. We're having so much trouble with our S1. What happened? And many companies don't even realize that they've failed. And I don't want to use failed as a kind of uh, compl- um, a complete um, damning of the effort. Not at all. It's Everything is a temporary failure. We're here to learn. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing together. And so I have some perspectives to share that I hope might help you make some adjustments if, in fact, you're a little bit disappointed. Sometimes many of your operators will be disappointed in 5S and even in S1. Where and why does this well-intentioned improvement, improvement initiative go off the rails? Well, to begin to respond to these very legitimate questions, we have to take a look at the real meaning of S1, this first step. What is its purpose? And why is so much at stake when all we're doing is removing the so-called junk? First, I want to show you my hand. S1 is a stepping stone and a major stepping stone to an empowered work culture and to a new kind of improvement leadership. In my view, there is almost nothing more critical you can do than to do that right. And if you do it wrong, it often takes a long time to recover. And if you irritate things further by following up a mistaken S1 with, for example, S1 audits or 5S audits, well, you've made matters a bit worse, mostly. In some companies, the rare exception, audits are actually strengthening, they increase involvement, they increase excitement, but that is so rare I honestly can't name you a single company right now. I'd have to go through my notes. 
Is this is true also really of the first three S's, the kind of neat and clean piece. So you can at that early stage miss a golden opportunity to use S1, get rid of the junk to reinvent the work culture. But there's always hope. There's always hope. So even if you've engaged in 5S for years and you feel pretty stalled out, there are things that you can do to reinvigorate, realign, and learn to use 5S to build operator-led visuality instead of institutionalizing a half-complete model. So I think that you'll, when you're listening as we talk today, you'll find those, I'll try to call them out, Here's something you can do. It's a reorientation. It's often going to be a reorientation in principle that will allow you to behave differently. But first, I want to make a disclaimer. About three shows back when we started mapping out the doorways and I was um, explaining what I saw as the differences between a traditional approach to 5S and a more successful process, I was describing my approach And I want to let you know that this is just my approach. And the the reason that I developed the so-called my approach is because I failed so miserably in the 1980s with the traditional approach. So I invented a new one, one that worked for me. I don't really care if it will or can work in Japan. Japan's doing very, very well with its 5S. Thank you very much. But I want to see it working in my country and in countries that are what we call Western countries that have really a different value system, not a better but a different one, and 5S needs to serve a somewhat wider purpose. So out of my failure, I kind of reinvented this and um, I did that. I failed in the 1980s, started my own company in the 1990s, and I was able to not just uh, recast, uh, but also translate the S's differently. Okay? Because one of the things that was missing for me in 5S was that the traditional 5S was the principle of pull. The principle of pull is embedded in the new approach to operations. But it was absent from the first critical step of 5S, the S1. I found that really crazy. So I fussed and I fumed and I found a few clients who were willing to fuss and fume with me. And the first thing I realized was that the translation of 5S, the way it was translated from the Japanese didn't work for me. It didn't make sense. I mentioned this on a previous show in greater detail. I was largely and personally responsible for that bad translation. I had mentioned that I was working in a training and publishing company in the 1980s that specialized in Japanese manufacturing methodologies. Uh, And somebody came running down the hall uh, one day saying, how do I get these five S's to be in English? And I and a colleague, uh, Connie, put our heads together and came up with five words. Short, uh, sorry, sort, shine, set in order, simplify, and sustain. Later, somebody turned that into standardize and sustain. But either way, it didn't work for me. And it didn't work for some other companies as well. Again, if it works for you, that would be great. The problem was the implementation in one area would not roll over and trigger another area. 
it wouldn't roll over. It wouldn't ignite the next cycle. You would have to push it, push it, push it into place. It was like 5S was dead on arrival. That was the 1980s. I was really embarrassed. I was mortified. A company would trust me, would give me its good money. Its hopes were pinned on me, and I failed them. So started my own company, and I went back and decided to uh, do it in a way that made sense to me. And I did that. The first thing I did was change that translation. My translation, which I am not in any way asking you to adopt, but I found a kind of logic in it so that it would roll over, is yes, the first S is sort through, sort out, get rid of the junk. The second S is scrub the workplace and everything in it. Focus on dirt prevention. That's the big part. Third was secure safety. Always, always important. The fourth was select locations. Let's figure out where things go based on flow before we nail them with S5, which is set locations, border home address, and if possible, an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. And the plus one S, which might be your sixth S, is sustain. I define the purpose of 5S in this way. This is something I wrote down two, 20 years ago. The purpose of 5S is to prepare the physical environment to hold visual information and then to put visual location information in place to install the visual answer to the where question for everything that casts a shadow to install visual order. So I'm looking at the purpose of 5S is to get visual, is to get the visual wear in place. There was nothing in that definition that made neat and clean as an outcome. And that relieved me of getting too involved with neat and clean. That reminded me to move forward into the visual piece. And I found that to be very, very important and useful. But make no mistake, I am not asking you to change your 5S. Use them as you're using them now, but change your perspective and some of the values or principles that are driving them. I want to add a new perspective, kind of revitalizing perhaps. Okay. So today we're looking at what's tricky about S1. We still have to do it. We have to get rid of the junk. But can we do it in such a way that it actually strengthens our overall corporate intent? And can we do it in a way that it strengthens the improvement work culture. Instead of killing it on the operator level, can it actually prepare the work culture to become more and more involved? So I want us to look now at ways to get more juice out of 5S because 5S should be juicy. It should be interesting. It should be vital and alive and exciting. If it isn't, something is wrong. How do you know what's wrong? Well, here are six ways. Number one, these are pretty strong, okay? People hate doing it. Operators really hate it. You got to push, push, push. Number two, you have to drive it through audits. You have to push it into place. You can test this for yourself. If you stop doing the audits, would your 5S stop? Try it out. Or would people clamor for more? Would they miss it? Would they demand it? That's an acid test. Hey, what happened to our 5S? I loved it. You took it away. Oh, Bring it back. Number three is you don't like using the audits. 
even though you're driving it through audit, you don't like it, makes you feel uncomfortable, or maybe it just doesn't make sense, or maybe you're not seeing the results, or maybe you think that it's a little bit lightweight. And why are we constantly auditing when nothing really substantial happens as a result of those scores? As one great company said to me once, we have got a world-class 5S audit. The problem is it doesn't get world-class 5S results. 5S results. Here's another, the number four, six ways to help you see if you're doing 5S right or wrong. The devices that 5S produces are cookie-cutter devices. They all look alike. Lines and labels, labels and lines, lines and labels, labels and lines. Boring. They all look alike. There's no inventiveness. And that brings us to number five. No one's intelligence seems to be challenged. We are, aren't asked to grow. The methodology doesn't make us stretch. Doesn't make us stretch. And number six, you don't get a 15 to 30% increase in productivity as a result of your 5S. But in fact, that's what should happen. A 15 to 30% increase in productivity, and we see this even when you've already done lean. The thing about visuality is that it attacks the micro level of waste that you barely have names for. And 5S is a powerful force for that on the operator level. And it is one that the operators own. The operators can go through 5S, go after not just their motion, moving without working, which is my name for the enemy in um, 5S and in workplace visuality, but they can go after their micro-motion. They, become, they can become scientists of their own process. When you do a powerful, ignited 5S, operators do not need to be induced to do it by audits. When you teach your 5S through principles, and this is including S1, the principles are seductive, are interesting, are life-giving. So think about those six things. People hate doing it. You hate doing it. You drive it through audits. You don't like the audits. The devices that are produced are... um, Boring cookie cutters. No one is challenged and you're not getting a business benefit out of it that you can measure tangible business benefit. So talking about S1, if you do it wrong, you will have to push, push, push people to keep doing it, usually through audits. If you do it right, you will begin the creation of a work culture of continuous improvement or if you already have one, it'll go deeper, more powerful. Wonderful. So, S1, sort through, sort out, it sounds pretty straightforward. Yes, but very tricky. Yes. So, we'll pick this up right after the break and talk about things that you can do. I'm going to make one very strong uh, suggestion as soon as you come back. And uh, even for you folks who are a little bit discouraged about your 5S, I believe this will help you. Talk to you soon. the boardroom to you voice america business network 
Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. By the way, your calls are welcomed. We would like to hear about your experiences. You can email us. We would like to hear certainly about your questions, just to have a conversation going back and forth. Wonderful. I'm hoping that starts kicking in with the show because it really becomes much more interesting. And if that picks up, then what we'll do is we'll have actual online uh, on-air clinics where we'll do diagnosis and assessments and people can hear how that's done, what to look for and what things mean, at least from my point of view. So we were saying just before the break that get rid of the junk sounds pretty straightforward, yes, And no. And I promise to tell you one thing that you could do right away to amp up your 5S efforts. And I've said this before in an earlier show, but I want to say it again. Change your language. Change the title of the initiative. Get the word visual in it. Even though you're still going to get rid of the junk and make things clean, you want to break that barrier between neat and clean and visual and get people to visual and call it visual factory, visual office, visual hospital, visual dock, visual truck, visual machine. Just put the word visual in it 
Or if you want to, like Lockheed did, they they didn't want to drop their 6S because they like to say 6S success, if you caught that, 6S success. So they called it 6S visual. But get the word visual because we are by our chemistry and our nature visual beings. That's a natural state for us. We already know what visuality is because it's the way that we understand our world. Our world is visual because we're visual beings. If you start talking about visual to your uh, to operators, they're already going to get something has changed and that will stimulate them. Then you find some local vision places, use McDonald's or Disneyland or Home Depot and say, let's bring some of that functionality back into our work area. There's so much. That little change will be so helpful. So we're talking about S1, not just as workplace, the first step of workplace organization or method for industrial housekeeping, but as a culture builder and also as the beginning of business benefit. So do that right, aligned and smartly, and you have advanced empowerment on the value-add level. Do it wrong, as I said before, sadly, and you will cause a setback. I quoted, I quote again that Chinese proverb, the first step of the journey is the destination. Your values and principles must be aligned at S1. What's so tricky? Three things. First, not everyone sees what you see as junk. And not everyone sees, and you don't see what they see as junk either. Plain and simple. And we'll unnest that more completely in a moment. But that's the first thing. Varying definitions of junk. Second, when we touch or even talk about the things of the workplace, we enter the world, the murky world of territorial imperatives. Even though in most companies, value-add operators, associates do not own the things of work, in some companies, you know, they own their tools or whatever. But in most companies, the tools, the consumables, benches, chairs, pencils, everything belongs to the company. Even though they don't actually belong to me, however, they feel like mine. I've been working here for the past seven years or 17 years, and this stuff sure feels like mine. That's the red flag. It feels like mine. That's as good as saying it is mine. And in S1 translated, that means don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. <laughs> We're humans. We're complex. We're these complex emotional mechanisms. <laughs> Scientifically speaking, actually, that's quite simple. But if you live it and breathe it every day, if you're a human being and you have a life, it's complex. And what's complex is we interpret things. We live in this world of perception. We give things meaning that not all of us agree to. So when the traditional 5S rule book says, S1, get rid of the junk, tread carefully, not everyone will agree with you. Okay? Third, don't Win the battle and lose the war. Do not make S1 a fighting ground. Find a way to move through it elegantly, especially if you have a very traditional workforce that has not been involved in continuous improvement. And this might be the first step. Jim Womack says, you know, start S1. Sorry, start your lean conversion with 5S. Well, 
Use it as an opportunity. Do not just bully your way through it. You, there will be all heck to pay. Don't make a test case out of getting rid of the junk. It's a long journey. Don't win a minor point right now and lose the future. Pick your battles wisely and S1 should not be one of them. So there are three, for me, immutable rules or principles of S1. First, except for personal items like personal tools, everything in the company, on the company premises, belongs to the company. That's the first. It's an asset. And as an asset, it cannot be thrown out. It doesn't belong to you. It also doesn't belong to your supervisor. What you can do and the way that we frame it is you remove it from your value field, from your field of work. You get it out of the way. That's why you have a red tag corner. You put it in a red on a red pallet or in a red trash can or a red this or a red that. You remove it, but you do not throw it out. Our rule of thumb is you can throw out dirty Kleenex and recycle used Pepsi cans, but that's it. Everything else belongs in the company. So that's the second. So the first thing is everything belongs to the company, except that. Second thing is don't throw anything out. It's not yours anyway. It's a company asset. You may not know enough. Your supervisor may not know enough to know if the company will need it. Maybe there's a new product line that requires those parts or those, God for help us, those gauges that are impossible to find anymore. Maybe you have a customer who has an obsolescence agreement where no matter what, we will continue to resupply them. So you put them in the red tag corner. And then your your supervisor decides if it actually leaves the area or or it go, gets recycled back in. If so, then even your supervisor sends it to a central red tag location where once a month or once a quarter, the plant manager, the controller, the VP of ops visits and makes a disposition, but you never throw anything out. And it's really important. The third immutable rule about S1 that has really worked for us is the majority does not rule. Don't use red tagging. As a voting mechanism, don't let the majority rule, not if you want to capitalize on the powerful opportunity 5S beginning with S1 provides to not only introduce important visual improvements into the workplace that are created by operators, but also create a powerful and aligned improvement work culture, a workforce of visual thinkers, of visual contributors. S1 is the first step of the first step of a very long journey. That journey is a fully functioning, excellent enterprise, and on the way, you must become visual. Okay? So don't blow it. If you make getting rid of the junk a part of the dominance hierarchy, politics as usual, nothing is changing. People will bail. Sometime in the next few shows, we're going to be talking about the parable of the rowers. And what people do when they don't get enthusiastic, where they hang out instead. You know, it's exciting to think about something as simple as 5S and S1 as an opportunity to grow, for the company to grow, but also for you to grow and for you to help others to grow. If you're a supervisor or a change agent, S1 is an opportunity for you to demonstrate values. The values that are 
meant to govern the whole continuous improvement process. The revolution of continuous improvement isn't just bottom line benefit. It isn't just clean and neat. It is a revolution in ourselves. We have an opportunity to help people find a new definition of themselves through these simple processes. We are not doing them a favor by appropriating 5S, even S1, and saying, ordering, get rid of this, get rid of that. We lose the opportunity of S1 when we take it over or when we misuse it. So we'll come back and talk a little bit about respect and see if I can stick in a story, if I can, if I have time. See you very soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. So I have to confess to you, I lied to you before. I lied. (laughs) I lied when I said the first S is for sort through and sort out. It is not. The first S in 5S is for spirit. It is for the spirit of the workplace, the spirit inside of you, and the spirit inside of me. And if you feel compromised by using the word spirit and work in the same sentence, then you can say the first S is for respect. Of course, you'll sound a little illiterate if you do, but fine. Respect. Respect for the individual. This universal organizing principle of all world-class companies, how do you operationalize it? You operationalize it right there at the beginning of S1. 
You allow people to get their junk because they think it's a treasure. I'm sorry, to keep their junk because they think it's a treasure. They don't get rid of their junk because they need to obey you so they can pay their mortgage. That's how you operationalize respect for the individual. That's just one example. Hmm? Respect. It's a little bit tricky. There's a prevailing social conditioning that dictates the definition of respect. But what's so interesting, I've been watching, I watched 52 episodes of Mad Men, a great show about Madison Avenue in the 1950s. I watched them all. I just got my Roku and my Netflix. I watched them all like in a four-week period. Wow, is that an eye-popper. Society in the 1950s, you saw it there, episode after episode, defined respect in ways that many of us today would find not just unacceptable but offensive. Hmm? Some of us are children of that generation. We need to come along. So the first S is for respect. Oh, there's lots of things to say about how to handle this, how to handle that. But if somebody wants to keep their junk, you let them keep it. And all they have to do because of the definition of the purpose of 5S, which is to prepare the physical environment to hold visual information and then to embed visual location in, uh, information in place through borders, home addresses, and if possible, an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. You keep your junk, put it in order. Keep your junk. You, you call it a treasure? Fine. I'm not going to argue with you. Keep it. So Charlie, see, I'll see if I have time for this story. I have to really move through it quickly. Charlie worked in this aerospace company. He was not a very pleasant person, but he did outstanding work. He didn't get along with people. He didn't get on board with 5S. And uh, he worked in a, a part of the company called the Hen House. God help us. That's where the women work. That was not my nomenclature. That's just the way it is in this company. Laying down the resin on propellers. This is a great plant from World War II that, where they made all the propellers for Allied forces made in that plant. The center of the plant went 5S. They were getting a lot of um, praise and uh, corporate wanted to come and hear the story. And so the head, a wonderful gentleman named Clark Shea, called down to Stanley Mickens, who was in charge of that area that had gone 5S, and said, hey, prepare a, a, a presentation. Stanley picked up the phone and called the steering team, which is made up of shop floor associates who loved 5S, put something together. And the group decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a before and after video. But our only problem is there are no befores left except for Charlie's area. Charlie never got on board. Even though his work was excellent, I was working with the plant and they said, you know, Charlie won't get on board. What should I do? And I said, I don't know. I'm learning about this stuff, but I don't know what to do. So let's leave him alone. So he turns out to be the only before left. And so the team goes up to Charlie on a Friday afternoon, corporate is coming on Tuesday, and says, hey, Charlie, we got this idea. We're going to make a before and after video of your place. What do you say, huh, huh, huh? What do you say, huh? <laughs> and of course, he said no. And the second time they asked, 30 seconds later, he said no. And the third time, he didn't even say anything. He just continued with his most excellent work. The thing that was most irritating about Charlie's area was this rickety-rackety table 
that seemed to be the reason why there was a machine on either side of it to hold the little table up. Charlie said no, and so the steering team looked at, oh, let's move to plan B. We'll do something else for our presentation. That was Friday afternoon. They were going to do it on Monday. But three members of the steering team said, you know, let's stay a little bit later. I bet Charlie doesn't really mean it. And they punched out, and then they made magic happen. They did their video of the before, this outrageous before that was Charlie's area, and then they did the after. The first thing they did was throw Charlie's rickety-rackety table into the dumpster and replace it with this beautiful stainless steel that fit perfectly. They had plans for that table. (laughs) They were very happy, went home, could hardly wait until Monday. I heard the story from a steering team member who wasn't part of the plot, and he said, Gwendolyn, I came in. At 6.25 on Monday morning, I punched in and I said, oh, what's that sound? What's that sound? Oh, my goodness, some animal is caught on a machine because it was this high-pitched wailing sound. And, and I followed the sound and I said, oh, my God, that poor animal. Oh, no, it's a human. Oh, no, it's an animal. Oh, no, it's a human. And I ended up in front of my supervisor's office and on the other side of the glass was my supervisor and screaming at the top of his lungs, sounding like an animal, for God's sakes, was Charlie. And he was screaming something I couldn't make out until I listened carefully. And finally, as I listened to this terrible sound, I made out the words, I want my table back. I want my table back. I want my table back. Oh, my gosh. I knew what had happened. I knew that... My colleagues had made magic happen. I went to find them. I said, they said, oh, wow, did you see Charlie's area? And I said, the guy is telling me, what have you done? What have you done? What do you mean? Well, I met with this group about three weeks later when I was doing my monthly visit. And they said, we don't know what to do, Gwendolyn. We're in big trouble. We we don't know how to make this better. Charlie is worse. If we thought he wasn't a team player before, he is really on the fringe now. He's so upset. Now, three weeks later, he's still upset. I said, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You did something irretrievable, something I don't know how to recover from this. And that was the day that I promised myself. This was 1993. I said, or maybe it was 94. I said, I won't let this happen again. I, w- I have to warn people. And that's when I realized that the first S was not about sort through and sort out. But the first S was for spirit. Even though Charlie was not a pleasant person to be around, he was like me. He had this power inside of him. That was identical to mine. He was another human being. And by the way, my definition of culture is very simple. My definition of culture is who I think I am and who I think you are. Who I think I am and who I think you are. And culture is aligned when I know that I am you. For me, this is another way of saying respect for the individual. When I know that I am you, and if you think that's not hard work, (laughs) try to do that at work. Try to do it in a relationship. Try to do it in a marriage. My goodness, it will put hair on your teeth. So what we found out later, which was icing on the cake, and I wrote about this in my first yellow book in 1997, but I didn't find out about this next piece for a whole other year. 
was, remember I told you that Charlie did excellent work? Well, all of his speeds and feeds were on, scratched into the top of that table. All of his speeds and feeds. And so when he was screaming at the top of his lungs, asking for his table back, he was really asking for his performance back, for his contribution back. This guy that all of us had written off as a kind of non-integer was as much of a contributor as any of this. He just didn't have a very smooth personality. Oh, my goodness. My heart just broke when I heard that because all he wanted to do was contribute and be left alone. So S1 is a fabulous opportunity for you to realign or strengthen your work culture. You must take it very seriously. You must let it be values-driven, principles of deep understanding. Okay, we'll talk about uh, the rest of the five S's at a later show sometime soon. I want to thank you very much for listening. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I fit the story and I'm so glad and I'm signing off until the next time. Thanks very much. Glad you were here. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 